Well, before we get going, I, there's a couple important things I need to share with you. Um, first of all, there's some really important news for one of our team members. You know Travis, who does the uh, sound there for us, and he does production. Why are you, why are you guys cheering? Why are you guys cheering? Because somebody got engaged yesterday. All right, Travis. Well done, well done, young man, getting engaged to Lauren. And Lauren, if you're ever watching this, you got a good man, so uh, we look forward. But Lauren also works for another church, though. This is a problem. So we might have to have a battle of who goes where. <laughs> All right, the other thing, too, is we want to honor Victoria. Victoria just graduated with her master's degree. Well done, Victoria. Not only did she just graduate, she's starting her doctoral program. So, Victoria, uh, well done. She has received, she was just telling me about God's provision, she has received a fellowship for both of those programs from the same institution, fully paid for fellowship. So, yes. Victoria works in public health in the city of Manchester, also serves as our missions pastor here at Grace Capital Church. So, thank you so much for your leadership. And uh, we honor you for your accomplishments as well. Well, today, what happened to my music man today? He left because he didn't want to be associated with this message, I think. <laughs> uh, I really wish that Paul didn't write what he wrote in the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because... I'm accountable to preach the whole counsel of God's word, right? And so, but we do have to take it in context. We do have to take it in context. So today, if you got a nice little email from me this morning, you'll, you'll know that it might be a sensitive topic uh, for some. Now, I want to be mindful if any, um, again, my heart always is to never take these difficult um, topics and cause any stress or cause any um, undue feelings that are negative feelings for you. But I'm mindful if any woman has felt the oppression from a man, um, first of all, my deepest apologies from a man. Men should never oppress. Men should always encourage, build up, love, cherish, support, and so, um, first and foremost, just want to be sensitive to that. The other thing is, I, I do believe that we need to be very mindful that when we talk about situations like this, we have to understand the why. Why does Paul talk to us about the role of men and women in the church, um, our purpose um, in leadership? And, and I think it's important to start with some frameworks that are going to help us construct what Paul is saying. Because if we just look at it from the scripture by itself, we can see the damage that has done to women in the church. And likewise, we can't just gloss over this and say this doesn't exist and therefore we're going to make different decisions because that was just um, a time and place. If you have your Bibles, you're, we are going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2 um, today, and it's going to be important to follow along. This is God's Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and so it is on God's heart. But I want to let you know that, that rules without reason, rules without reason can lead to control. 
And if you've ever been into, in a very controlling environment, you would say, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing, right? Rules without good reason will, can lead to control, but I would also say rules with good reason can lead to freedom and safety. Right, we, 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 New Englanders, we don't, don't tell me what to do, right? Uh, but, but rules, well, that's why we have rules for the road, right? It leads, we know that people are going to stop at red lights and there's safety in that knowing that when we go through a green light, somebody's not going through the opposite way and gonna crash into us, right? There's safety and freedom with rules with good reason. So we have to begin to say, why did the Holy Spirit feel like it was important for Paul to write these words to Timothy as instructions for the church, what's the reason behind it? Because with, without understanding the why, it can lead to control and oppression. But when we understand the why, then it leads to freedom and safety. Now, some of you are like, I don't even know what the topic is yet today. You're talking about these things in very vague. We'll get there. We'll get there. But we need to look at the whole picture. Let me just use another car example. If you just look at a, you just get a picture of a tire on a car. You don't even know it's on a car. But if you get a picture of a tire, your imagination might just say, oh, that's a cool toy to bounce up and down or to throw off a cliff and see it bounce, how high can it bounce, so just roll it off a cliff. And, and, but if you got the whole picture of realizing it's attached to an axle that is attached to an engine that has seats and a windshield, and then you begin to see the bigger picture of a car, you realize, wow, this is what the purpose of this tire is for, is to help a car move from point A to point B and transport people, and there's power in that, and there's purpose in it. And so if we just take one piece of scripture, and that's the damage that unfortunately can happen is if you just take one piece, uh, one picture of the scripture and don't bring it into the fuller context of the way God's original design through Old Testament from the beginning of creation all the way through, then we miss what the full picture and really the purpose is of that scripture. So today I'm going to do my best. I understand I'm going to be flawed a little bit in this because one, it's, it's from a, I'm trying not to speak from a biased, from a male's perspective. I've, I've polled many women, as you can hear, actually weren't here for a team meeting, but Laura, who's our kids ministry director, shared how we were talking at staff meeting, understanding uh, the role of women in leadership in the church. Um, I had an opportunity to speak to uh, another woman who came out of a, a faith tradition that basically did not permit any leadership, did not permit women to have any roles in the church and talk to her. I'm trying to understand God's heart um, in, in sharing this scripture. And so I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best, but I do know that it's incomplete. So we're going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to fill those gaps for you. Um, as I do my best. So, but let's create the framework. So the framework is this. We need to look at the whole picture. So in the beginning, God made male and female in his image. He didn't make man in his image. He made male and female in his image, which shows that, that there is equal value between men and women. Everybody say amen to that one. Amen. Equal value. Every, men and women have equal value. However, God did create Eve to be a helper 
or to come alongside and be a co-heir. I like this idea of partnership. You remember my illustration of leaning in together, right? Male, female, leaning husband and wife, leaning in together. By the way, this is not a husband and wife conversation. Uh, We are going to be addressing husbands and wives, but it's also a church conversation. And it will be, if you're a single person, um, this will relate to you too. It is a a full-on, everybody will relate to this message. So God made male and female in his image, but he, he created them to be co-labors in a joint mission. And the joint mission, remember, is be fruitful and multiply, which means God cares about uh, seeing uh, uh, earth or his kingdom or his people be fruitful. In other words, his, his presence be evident through the image. His, his image gets born through people because we're made in his image in a way that there is hope, there's love, there's joy, and there's a way that the earth is subdued. Now, sin has entered the uh, world, by the way. So, so when, when we see pictures of Adam and Eve, by the way, we see a picture of Adam and Eve together and Eve's holding the apple, like um, enticing Adam with it. Um, and the scripture we're going to read here, we're, we're going to be talking about Eve's sin. Um, but again, I do believe that sometimes people can take this out of context the scripture tells us that Eve was deceived when she, um, when she took the fruit that was the forbidden fruit. The enemy um, deceived her. By the way, deception is different than temptation. Deception is you don't even know that you're doing something wrong. That's deception. You don't even know it. You're just being deceived by it. And, and the enemy, by the way, is opportunistic. He is looking to entrap, to deceive as many people as he can. Because if you're deceived, then it takes away your freedom and it takes away your liberty and it takes away the joy and peace that God has intended for you. So Eve is kind of what, hey, Eve was, was deceived, but guess what? Who is to blame? Adam is to blame. Eve was deceived, but Adam was to blame. Why? Because God gave Adam, a very particular role, and we're going to read this in a minute, but God gave Adam a very particular role, which is, which is to cover and to care and to lead. And, and because Adam, we always saw the picture of Adam and Eve together, but guess what? If Adam was there, would Eve have been deceived? Adam was out killing a pig so he could make a pigskin football so he can get the football game going so he can find something to uh, entertain himself with. And Adam, if he was attentive and if he was aware and if he was present, would Eve been deceived? I, I know it's a little bit of hypothesis there, but I do believe that Adam really bears the weight of responsibility for that because of the way that God has positioned men to to spiritually lead and cover women. We'll get to that. Okay, original design. Men and women are equal in the sense of value, but they carry different functions. Men and women are made differently. They carry different roles and functions. So then we have to look at this, though. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, this is important to understand this concept. Starting at verse 45, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, meaning Jesus, became the life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was born of earth, a man of dust. The second man is born from heaven. 
as was the man of dust, also those who are of the dust, as it was the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we've been born in the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. First the natural, then the spiritual. Why this has to be part of the context of what we read here in a minute of First Timothy chapter 2 is because what Paul is sharing to Timothy is actually reflective of what should be taking place in the spiritual. He's using a very natural analogy to reflect something that's in the spiritual. And God always does that. He does it in creation. He does it through us. And, and he does it through marriage. It's always to show us something in the natural to what is in the spiritual. So we have to understand that context first. Because that's going to help create meaning and understanding to what Paul is saying. Next, we have to go, um, we've talked about God's original design, right? His function, equal but not the same function. And then we talk about the two institutions that God has ordained that are to be the instruments of the reflection of the spiritual from the natural. There's two institutions that he's established. One is the institution of family. God has instituted family, a husband and a wife and children, to be reflective of Jesus and his bride. Jesus is his bride. And we can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry, chapter 11, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says this. Well, actually, and then he gives order. He gives order to, to a family structure, right? So it's not only is it to be reflective, but then he talks about what that that, that order is, and it's reflective of an order in heaven. It's a spiritual order, but it's reflected in natural ways. So this is what it says, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophecies with his head uncovered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophecies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it's the same as if her head were shaven, goes on and so forth, and then says that men and women, a marriage is to be reflective of Christ and his church. We read that in Ephesians. To be reflective of Christ and his church. So a marriage is to be reflective. And so what does, we'll get into that in a minute, what, what are those things that should be taking place in there? Then we go to the institution of the church, which God has designed. He's designed the church for a specific function, but really the church is a reflection of the microcosm of a family. So this is a spiritual family. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is actually called the bride of Christ. We read that in Revelation. We read that um, also in Ephesians um, let's look at that, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm just setting the stage for context for what we're going to read here in a minute. So Ephesians chapter 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His, um, of the church, his body, and himself and his savior. Now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives submit and everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, um, that 
he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word, uh, washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of this body, you and I are members of this body, therefore, a man should leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying as it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let each wife see that she respects her husband. So, here we are. Now we're going, this is the spiritual to the natural. He's saying the way that husbands and wives love and care for each other is reflective of the way that Jesus, his church, his bride, is interacting with Jesus as the head, and we are the bride of Christ. So just like each one of us, right, when say we make a decision to follow Jesus, we say, not my will, but your will be done. We submit to Jesus' authority in our life. And he's asking our marriages to be reflective of that as a model, as a witness to the rest of the world to see who this Jesus is and the goodness of him. And by the way, the other part of this, and this is where, hey, men, men just love this. Well, hey, I need my, my woman to submit to me. And as I smack you, you better not use that tone. Because you better be serving your wife with loving um, care and cherishing her, right? Like the scripture does. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that Jesus, the model of Jesus, what well, he laid down his life for somebody. And men, that's what you should be doing, right? And vice versa, women, you know, to, to respect and to, lo- um, to honor their husbands, Right, and, and this is the way, and I would say surrender. I don't love that word, um, submit. I, I prefer the word surrender because that's what Jesus asks of us. We surrender our life to him. And then husbands, right, as you love your wife and you cherish and you nourish her, this is what Jesus has done for us, but, but it's to be reflective. And then you get a scripture where it says, outdo each other in honor. You want to see a successful marriage, you, you, you find two people who are trying to outdo each other in honor, right? And so it's, it's, it's mutual. It's mutual. It's not one over the other. It's mutual. Maybe different function, right? But equal value, equal value. Okay, so we have our two institutions, the family, the church, right? The church is just a, a larger identification to what the... Um, uh, husband and wife family looks like. The church is called the Bride of Christ. Now, we can get into 2 Timothy chapter 2. Perfect. We've got plenty of time to get right through this. Sorry, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, thank you. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all then, here we go, verse 1 of chapter 2. First of all then, I urge... That all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, not a priest, it's Jesus. 
um, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So this is Paul writing Timothy these things. First and foremost, we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of prayer. First of all, I urge you in all supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving can be made for all people. He's just not saying any per- He's saying all people. We need to be praying for each other. But then he goes on to say specifically those who are in a leadership over us. And why? When we do that, there's an outcome. The outcome is that we live in a peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified way. Whenever, um, I mean, how many of you shared that um, or talked about our president who fell this week, right? In a way that was, or did you immediately want to just pray for him? Or were you like, I can't believe what just happened, right? And I will tell you, I was the one, I can't believe it just happened. I, my natural reaction was not to pray. I want to confess that. But the scripture tells us that I should have been in that moment like, God, help that man. Help that man. Help our president. Right? I wouldn't want people laughing at me if I tripped and and fell in front of public. And help that man. Help our president. He's leading our country. We need to be praying for him. And by the way, when we do, then, then it's something about peace that, that transpires in our life and in the lives of people around us. We're not just stirring the pot on these things. We need to be praying. All right, so then we realize we pray through Jesus, right? Jesus is our mediator. He makes intercessions for us, which is amazing too. The Holy Spirit does, and, and, but we need to be people of prayer. Okay, now we're going to get into the meat here. Then we go. Verse 8. Buckle up. Here we go. I desire then that in every place the man should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling likewise. Well, let me just stop there for a moment. Men should pray, lifting hands in this way of surrender and not in this way like, right? And not quarreling. You know, there's something, it's interesting that what Paul addresses, he addresses the human nature of gender, the human nature of gender. Men will want to like, they want to go to sport, they want to go um, hunting, they want to fight, they want to brawl, they want to like be active, they want to like engage. They, But he's saying, men, subdue your, not saying you can't do it, but, but let's put the right priority. Can you, men, can you be people of prayer? If you hear anything from me today, men, I will guarantee you, if you become a person of prayer, it is the most powerful thing to change your life. Submitting your life to the creator, to Jesus, men submitting, submit men to Jesus's authority in your life, reading his scripture and praying. So that word submit applies to us men. Submit to Jesus' authority. But we do that through prayer. Likewise, likewise. Like in the same way, instead of using your natural things, women, which you're, you're very good at and gifted at, this is what I would prefer you to do is what 
um, Paul is saying. Likewise, also women should, uh, should adorn themselves with respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Okay. He's not saying that women, you can't ever dress up. You can't ever have nice things. But he's saying your natural tendency, women, is you want to look beautiful. And you want to put time and attention to that. But he's saying, watch what you're putting your time and attention. Like men who want to raise their fists, time and attention to sport and activities and hobbies. He's saying, women, watch that activity that you're doing. If your focus is just looking on the external, all beautiful, jewelry, fine clothes, and that's... You know, you're just spending your day scrolling of like, I, I want to look like that. I want to get that outfit. You know, I want to look. But he's saying, no, but you should be focusing on the things that come from the internal, which is this, which is the good works. To profess godliness. Good works. Right, the inside. Same way with men. Men, focus on the spiritual things, right? He's talking about spiritual natural. Spiritual natural. We, we said that was the framework, spiritual natural. It's natural for men to want to be involved in sport and activity, golfing, sports. Golfing. I want to do some more golfing this year, by the way. <laughs> but after I pray, but after I pray, after I pray. Or I can pray while I'm golfing. The Bible says pray without ceasing. So I can keep praying and golfing at the same time. Am I contradicting myself? I don't think so. Just like women, you can adorn yourself, but don't forget the good works that God has positioned for you that he's placed in your hearts to do. So far, we can breathe pretty easy so far, right? We're doing okay. Here we go. Here we go. Now we're getting ready to go on the roller coaster ride. We're not only buckled up, now we have the straps coming over our shoulders. We're holding on for dear life. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Do not per permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Everybody go, shh. See, women, I, you didn't want to do that, women. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Don't worry, women. Don't worry, women. This is a not about keeping you down. This is about elevating you up. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, even if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Period. The chapter ends. What do we do with this whole section? Any woman given birth here? Any women not given birth here? Nothing wrong with that. Well, some of you are saved and some of you are not saved. <laughs> okay, women, don't worry, don't worry. I know some of you just like that was piercing because actually some of you have wanted to be parents and were like given birth, right? And so please forgive me for being insensitive to that. The Holy Spirit just convicted me at that moment. And I want to I repent from that because as much as that was funny, there's some who really desperately wanted to, to give birth to a child and have not been able to. 
And my heart goes out to you because um, I know that's painful. But the good news in all of this is that you can all give birth. Because if we were actually looking at what that scripture means that Paul is talking about, he's actually not talking about women giving um, just spiritual, um, having spiritual, I mean, just having physical babies. This whole section is actually talking about the spiritual. What he's saying is, remember, every single one of us in this room are the bride of Christ. We will take on the female version. Okay, I'm not going transgender. I'm not going non-binary. I'm not going in any of those places. I'm just saying, in the spirit, we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. We agree to that, right? The bride of Christ has a purpose to be reproductive, to bear spiritual children. Interestingly enough, it says, yet she will be saved through childbearing. I believe salvation will come through childbearing through the church. In other words, salvation, us as the church, we are, have a commission, we are responsible to see more people come to Jesus and we need to bear spiritual babies, which means we need to find people who don't know Jesus and invite them into his kingdom. And when we do, a spiritual birth takes place. Remember, it's called being born again, which means a spiritual birth takes place when somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus. John's going to start playing, and he's going to help me bring this point home. Right, John? All right. Thank you. All right. This whole idea of women to not exercise authority over a man, to remain quiet. Again, Paul is talking about the reflective nature of how, not only in marriages, but in the church, that we are to respond to Jesus in a way that's reflective to the world, his order, which is God, Jesus, man, woman. There's, there's, there's a spiritual order to this. And this is why Adam is responsible for what took place in the garden, not Eve. Eve was deceived, but Adam's responsible because God has charged Adam with care and covering. Now, for those of you who are concerned that we have people like Victoria who preach in our church, mind you, in a very great job. We honor you, Victoria, for doing that. For women like Laura and, and Carrie who um, teach, they are not quiet. Victoria is not a quiet woman. <laughs> Never quiet. But she is um, a surrendered woman meaning that she will um, come in a place of, of surrender to say, thank you so much for that opportunity, for that, that opportunity to, to share God's word. There, there comes a place. And by the way, if you were to actually remember, the church is a reflect, reflection of what actually takes place in, in a home. Right? So, so a woman, it's not like she has to be quiet in her own home. No, she, she has been given responsibilities, but the man has given her those response, that authority to the woman to say, you can lead, you can instruct. 
But what he's saying is don't get the order wrong. Don't, don't get to this place where all of a sudden the woman feels the ultimate responsibility because what happens is she becomes vulnerable because she's out of order and then she becomes a place of attack and deception. Men, you must be covering our wives, our women. I so believe, as God was helping me work through this, I so believe for all of our uh, widows, for all of our single ladies, men, we carry, as the church, men, we carry the, re- the spiritual responsibility to cover those women. We have the responsibility to cover those women. Likewise, married men, you have the responsibility to cover your wives. Now, some of your wives are saying, well, I don't have a godly man for that. You also have a, you have a spiritual family that you can find that care and covering for. You don't have to be vulnerable. You don't have to be um, out there unexposed. So again, remember, original design, men and women, equal in value, different roles. God has designed an order, and the order is in such a place that he's created the order in a, a natural family, going into a church family that needs to be reflective of of what God is doing in Jesus is preparing his bride, his church, and he's going to be coming back for a submissive bride, a surrendered bride, a bride made ready for his return. Whether it's his return or we meet our bridegroom in the heavens. Now, it's a little bit hard for us men to, to kind of visualize this, right? Especially as macho men, it's like, I am not a bride. No, no way. Just go on with that analogy a little bit. So men, you, you, you have some responsibilities. Men, you actually have two responsibilities. The first responsibility is learn to be submissive, submitted, surrendered to your Lord Jesus Christ. Men, it's your responsibility. Next, you have a responsibility to love, to cover, to cherish, to be people of prayer, over your wives. And I would say, men, if you also would be praying and covering and caring and nurturing our single ladies, meaning single moms, widows, single ladies probably still have the covering of their parents. Let me put it that way. Women, you you do have um, a responsibility, but your responsibility is like being the bride of Christ, but in your homes. That means you need to surrender to the leadership of, of your husband. But husbands, that means you better be leading her really well. It means you better be covering her. You better be praying for her and, and cherishing her. But this is the order because the order is reflective of Jesus and his church. And he uses natural things like a family and a church family to to identify what is actually the spiritual in the natural. So when you understand it that way, it should not be an oppressive because what happens is why the the women's lib movement happened is because men acted poorly. (laughs) Men were oppressive. And, and what happens with oppressive behavior is there will be rebellion. <laughs> because they, nobody wants that level of oppression. They want freedom. But true freedom, and this is what I'm saying, 
the women's limp movement, as much as it was freeing of oppression, left something really bad out. They left the care and covering of men out of the equation. And we need to come back into God's order, which is men, lead well, cover well, be people of prayer. Surrender, submit your life. Men, be submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his will and to his ways. Ladies, respect. And surrender. And the interesting thing, the, the, the beauty of this is is that when we do, that there is spiritual births that take place in the church as we all continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. That's the last line of that, that verse. As we all continue in faith, in love, in holiness with self-control. I just want to read in conclusion. Actually, it's that piece of paper right there. Um, Abby, would you just, um, that one right there, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. I want to read uh, just because, again, I think it's a male's, I I hesitate to say it's great. Yeah, you're a male. It's great for you to say that. (laughs) I want to read something from Carrie Roberts. She can't be here with us today, our next gen director. She says, I come from a background of very strong, independent women. I am grateful for their influence and to this day believe that women can be strong leaders and effective ministers. Coming from this background, however, I first read scriptures like, wives, submit to your husbands, or the words submit left a bad taste in my mouth, were women less in the Lord's eyes. As I've grown in my faith over the years, however, I've learned that God's heart and design for this, society tells us that women can do anything that man can do, and we can be strong and independent and do it ourselves. And while I believe women are fully capable of many things, I see how God has independently crafted, uh, sorry, intentionally crafted each one of us male and female, differently to complete one another. God made us to be helpmates, not to be standalone islands. There have been times in my life where I would have said I was independent, strong, and capable without needing anybody else. But really, deep down, I still wanted to be cared for and known. I think as women, deep down, there will always be a desire to be known that we are safe and cared for. Does this mean we're not capable as ministers of God's word or as effective as leaders? No. But it does mean that as women, we have been specifically and uniquely given qualities that are different from man. The church, in its most healthiest form, will uphold women and care for them the way God intended. Not in a way of demeaning, but empowering. As a young female leader in ministry, I have found great comfort and peace knowing that I am not alone in my calling to minister. I know I have, been, I have others behind me and supporting me. This, in turn, empowers me to walk in the full potential and calling that God has placed in my life. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that we would understand your scripture here, which is to follow a reflective model of Jesus, your love and devotion for your church. That we're to submit to you, Jesus, as the church, as our leader, as our head. And that we would take those models and 
and bring them down into our families as a, as a reflective model of your love and your goodness and your care for the world, that we would care to be spiritually reproductive, to see the lost come to know you and find wholeness. And Father, we realize that like our immediate families, that we complement each other, that one does not lord over the other, but there is complementary based on your design, God, like it is in the church, that we need both male and female to complete because we're both made in your image, God. We, male and female, are made in your image. And we need the wholeness of who you are to have the wholeness and care and fullness of what you would have for not only caring for this body, but caring for a world that needs your hope, Lord Jesus. Lord, let us Men, let us step into our God-given responsibility, focusing on care and covering and be people of prayer. Lord, I pray that the women would take the words that were spoken from these scriptures and take them to heart and understanding their purpose and their calling and their value, their great value. Father, we would realize that our calling is to see this world be renewed and redeemed and that we would care to see the multiplication of your kingdom through men and women who are called and who are surrendered to you, Lord Jesus, our head, for your kingdom, that we would be your bride ready for your return. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.